Um, so the question to you is, how can stocks continue to rise in an environment where the equity risk premium is so low and the risk-free rate is so high? So I'm going to say I don't really give a toss about any of that <laughs> stuff. But I'm saying the name of the game is to find a great company. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing is you can wrap yourself up in all that macro stuff and it's, you know, again, if you're on NVIDIA, yeah. who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the answer to Greg. If, you, if you're watching <laughs> it, Callum doesn't give a toss. <laughs> Hello and a warm welcome to What's Not Priced In, or as our next guest called it, The Price Is Right. Uh, now, this is the podcast that asks the most important question in investing. What is the market currently not pricing in? But before we begin, a couple of things. Obviously, we're in studio. And another thing is, that's not Greg, but it is the esteemed Callum Newman. Callum, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Introduce yourself. I'm Callum Newman. Um, I'm the editor of Australian Small Cap Investigator and the trading service Small Cap Systems. So I specialize in the small cap uh, sector here at Fatale Investment Research. Nice. Now, Greg is obviously away. He will be back next week. But we did want to have you on the show today. And uh, a few weeks ago, Greg described you as the most positive man in finance or Mr. Positive. So I think this episode is all about why you hold the optimistic view of the markets and maybe why uh, the markets may be a little bit too pessimistic and why that is. Uh, so maybe I'll um, read through some of your recent quotes that you've written in uh, Livewire and obviously elsewhere. And uh, these are very, very positive quotes. So you've said, there are so many reasons to be positive going into 2024 and 2025. Misery might love company, but it rarely generates profits. Optimism pays, at least in my experience. All the ingredients are there for the Aussie stock market to start firing on all cylinders. All-time highs should peak in 2024. So obviously the the biggest question people would have is, why are you so positive? And uh, plead your case. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's go back a bit. Um, And remember, I've been doing this a long time now. I've been here at Fat Tail for 12 years. So I've seen a few things go around uh, (laughs) once or twice. Uh, I remember back in 2021, uh, people watching this may have been involved in the the market was absolutely booming, right? The small cap sector was going bananas. Um, And a lot of that was rank speculation and, you know, just crazy momentum and people piling in, right? All that um, started to break down in about August 2021. And around that time, I started to become a little bit cautious because what was happening was a company would release good news and and it would sort of sell off. And and around about that time, the China property issues flared up again and the small caps started to go down before the bigger stocks that came later in 2022. So uh, ever since then, it's it's been a grind in the small cap sector, actually. Um, There's been definitely been opportunities, but relative to how um, strong the sector can be and, and the alpha you can generate there, the last two years has been tough. So I've been watching that the whole time. And um, But to put it in context, you've got to remember last year, people, well, not people, the market, um, were very worried that the US would go into recession. Um, nobody knew where interest rates were going to peak out at. Oil spiked up for a while, uh, you know, Ukraine and all that type of thing. So lots of pressure on the markets and it got very volatile and difficult uh, there in the big cap space as well. Um, but a lot of those issues are, are fading away, And but the small cap sector is still dragging its feet. It's still down in the dumps relative to, to the way I've seen it in the past. And you have a bunch of um, really good companies, solid companies, um, trading very cheaply. And we only need things to turn a little bit better and they're gonna start moving up at some point and I think you can get a really good ride for the next couple of years on on some of this stuff. And it and if it goes the way history suggests it might, it's going to be a really exciting couple of years coming up. So that's just a taste of, of what I'm seeing. But um, other reasons, the market has been dominated by macro concerns in the last couple of years. So with interest rates peaking, that's in sight now. Um, inflation settling down. The US not in recession and actually looking pretty strong. China stimulating. Well... What more do you want? Nice. And I think also there may be a misconception with small caps for some investors that they are all narrative stocks. They're all growth stocks that might not necessarily be profitable, but there are definitely stocks out there who are generating profits that are flying under the radar, maybe a bit undervalued. So it's not like 
small caps are just story stocks that maybe well, buy now pay later two years three years ago yeah or cannabis in the year before that uh, yeah. the years before that and there's all these thematics that come through but yeah so you, with small caps you have a broad suite of mm-hmm. stuff you have stocks that don't make money some that don't make revenue and ones that do make money and are actually very well established and run by teams that have been doing it a long time so you can be as conservative or risky mm-hmm. as you like uh, and which which range of the small cap sector do you usually focus on sort of profitable companies or do you also maybe take take some bets on, on i do i would stocks? say i do have a bias mm-hmm. to companies that have cash flow especially mm-hmm. at the moment because yeah. i feel that the market is just not chasing those kind mm-hmm. of growth stories where they will forgive the the losses and the the cash burn and that type of thing in in more uh, <laughs> uh genteel times we might yeah. say but um yeah definitely at the moment but i do also have a uh, because i was look down as well you know and i want to make sure that i'm not going to get ripped out mm-hmm. from underneath me which can also happen in the small cap space so yeah if i can get a look at some juicy cash flows and a reason to think something's going to push up the share price uh i'm all over it yeah i think also uh the markets have been bad but there have been some gems i think the biggest one recently i'm not sure if you followed this like was Prometicus. oh yeah uh, absolutely. it's, it's yeah. taken off consistently for years now and that's just been a standout performer but so you've sort of outlined your case and we've got a lot of topics to get through. I want to ask you about iron ore and, and other type of things and we'll also get maybe a bit of your insight on a few uh, stocks that you're liking at the moment. But I think now maybe I'll introduce a bit of a counter argument. Obviously, Greg isn't here today. He did sort of send me some questions he wanted to ask or in his uh, his words to grill you on. Okay. Uh, and I think this sort of ties in nicely into the latest uh, macroeconomic results that have come in. So I'll just briefly mention, you don't have to comment on it too much right now, but obviously head mi- headline monthly inflation came down uh, and that's probably in your view, a good take, but I wanted to get your view on the retail sales. Uh, uh, retail sales came in much softer than expected. Um, the market wasn't really expecting such a decline. Uh, they actually fell 0.2% market expected a 0.2% gain uh, and annual sales growth actually slowed to just 1.2%. With population growth, if you're taking population growth uh, running about 2.4% a year, retail price inflation running about 36 a year in the September quarter. So it's actually a large per capita decline in uh, retail sales. So what would you say to those people who are saying, look, uh, maybe there are some undervalued stocks in the small cap sector, but the economy isn't really improving, it's actually worsening. Uh, Well, that's true of the statistics, but I would argue that that's priced in by the Mm -hmm. the retail stocks already. So a lot of them, as again, this has been going on since 2021. So a lot of them are heavily down. And uh, you can actually start to look and start to think and go the other way. At some point, the market's going to go, well, it's going to look through the downturn that it's priced in and, and look to the other side. We've already had a taste of that. So it's funny you mentioned retail. So Temp- Temple and Webster, yep. which is online, yep. came out with their sales and their, their revenue is going through the roof and the stock's taken off like a, like a rocket in the last couple of days. So again... And even with Harvey Norman, it's, it was said the results were down, uh, but the stock went up. So I think the market already priced that in quite heavily. Yeah, and I, there's another stock called Setire, which had a ripping yep. run earlier in the year. So even though in a broad brushstroke you can go, oh, you know, retail, it's a disaster or whatever, it's, a, it's down in the dumps, there are specific stories in there that can still do well, which is true of any sector at any time. Yeah. So you, the macro, the broad brush can, can lead you astray sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that uh, satire one and I, I got sort of sucked in like, oh, you know, retail, I'm not so sure. And bang, the yeah. thing took off like a rocket. Um, so luxury sales uh, generally around the world are holding up. So there are niches that can do well, but all those stuff that you've just alluded to, I would argue is already priced in and, and you have to start thinking about uh, looking um, uh, to the years in the future where which which companies are going to come through the downturn stronger on the other side. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, definitely I've, I had Temple and Webster here as well and Harvey Norman. I think another one I would... so. Maybe a question from then is basically, as a small cap investor, do you pay any attention to macroeconomic stuff like retail sales or inflation data or business credit growth or anything like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you do, well, you have your general view of the market and the world and that type mm-hmm. of thing. And then you you look at individual yep. uh, stock stories. So as again, the market has been very macro dominated in the last couple of years. So absolutely, you have to pay attention to those things. And I think one thing that's holding the Aussie market back is, 
is the rate question, the interest mm -hmm. rates, because we're not quite in the same place as America. Yeah. I think the Americans are pretty comfortable. They've picked out and going down next mm -hmm. year. Australia, I'm not getting, it's still a little bit hazy, mm -hmm. and I think the market's still waiting. So, again, I'm not saying it's booming out there or mm -hmm. anything like that. It's still very tight, and um, but I, I'm waiting, expecting and waiting for the break to come off. Mm. Yeah. And I think the, the whole point of this show is obviously to focus on what the market has priced in and then what obviously it hasn't. And I think the question with these macroeconomic results, yes, they are, bad but someone can then argue how far ahead is the market already looking have they already looked past it um so how far do you think the market in australia is looking ahead 12 months six months well i'd say six months for mm -hmm. the moment in a general vibe because i feel like the market is expecting the rates to peak next mm -hmm. year sometime mid next year it's just a question how soon and and how quickly they might go down uh that's it with a broad brush um and then if you're watching this, you have to decide too what time frame you want to work on. So, for example, if you talk about retail stocks, mm -hmm. um, they're definitely down in the dumps. Now, you, now you could make a legitimate case to start accumulating those mm -hmm. on the assumption that somewhere down the line things will get better. Mm -hmm. But you might have to wait for quite a while mm -hmm. while they just trend along and, and don't yep. do much. So if you're chasing momentum, well, you may not find it in retail, unless it's Temple and Webster, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anytime soon. Yep. But... Uh, again, it comes down to time frame. So um, I think the small cap market, generally speaking, can be driven in the short term mm -hmm. when the momentum and the and the volume is there. But at the moment, um, if you're prepared to take a longer term view, mm -hmm. there's some really exciting opportunities. And maybe I'd ask a question. What What is your sort of process as a small cap investor? Where, where do you start? Sort of how do you make your decisions about which industry to focus on in the small cap or do you focus on maybe the particular metrics you maybe you look at and filter through for stocks that are low pe or what, what's your process no i mean low pe high pe's they can be a bit of a trap generally yeah. um i will because i'm just constantly reading type of thing right so i'll i'll, I'll get interested in one particular sector whether it's oil mm -hmm. or retail um well you name it gold and then i'll go okay well what are my candidates mm -hmm. in this particular sector and then i just start going through the names and okay what's the market cap there or you know how old is this one and when it's being around then I, so I narrow it down that way and then I'll go back and look at the, the history of the mm -hmm. company and what they said they would do and if the if the guys have been there for a long time and if they've been successful before and you just start to build up a, a picture of what's going on and then most importantly when you do that sort of background stuff you get an idea of what might be coming up ahead because mm -hmm. um, often companies will flag things yep. Uh, in their reports or in their annual reports about what they're going to do. But uh, unless you, you know, get off your backside and go and do it, you won't know it's coming up. So there was a good example earlier in the year with a company called Virgin Money. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading their stuff, which is slightly bigger than a regular small cap, but I was just reading about it. Mm -hmm. And they had this particular stress test that they had to pass in the mid-year that the Bank of England was going to do on them. And I was looking at the valuation and everything suggested they would pass and anyway when they did pass the the stock shut up mm -hmm. in that particular period got a bit of a trade away on it um so it's just it's just stuff like that where you you just, just keep an eye for make sure it's credible and it's got money and a business plan in place and but with small caps obviously it's growth and, mm -hmm. and what can drive them higher and, and and what have you whether it's market share or revenue growth um but they can come from from anywhere and and so for example you alluded to it a little bit earlier you've got to be aware of what's going on in the wider world. So in this case, iron ore is mm -hmm. moving up. Well, what are the iron ore stocks doing? So, and I've done the homework there, so that's interesting right now. Yeah. Well, I've got some other uh, questions that I wanted to raise, but you've mentioned iron ore, so maybe we can talk about that. Um, last week, iron ore hit a, I think a nine month high. It's crossed about 130 USD a ton. It's currently hovering around there or just below. And you've been very bullish on iron ore this whole year. So you've, I think, been one of the few who, who didn't expect iron ore to fall. Uh, so maybe you can maybe explain to us why has iron ore been so resilient and where do you see it going and what does it mean for iron ore adjacent stocks? Well, iron ore is a pet subject of mine because <laughs> yep. um, not many people talk about it anymore. It's mm -hmm. just sort of taken for granted that it's, it's there. But <laughs> it's funnily enough, <laughs> most of the profits in the mining industry come from iron ore. Mm -hmm. Uh, but everybody wants to hear about lithium and nickel and all that sort of stuff. So we talked about cash flows before. So a lot of the, the plays that people with the battery stuff mm -hmm. don't make money. 
Anyway, so that's the, the first thing. There's also a shift going on with iron ore towards what they call green steel, yep. so decarbonisation, which is a major trend. So again, that's a, an idea where you go, well, how, how can we play decarbonisation? Um, and iron ore and steel are, are one way to do that. So generally iron ore is obviously associated with China and Chinese property. So a lot of the analysts thought, well, if Chinese property is in the dumps, well, iron ore will go in the dumps. And that was looking like it was actually going to play out in about August. Um, but what happened, or what has been happening, is that the Chinese central bank has just started pumping in lots of money into their market. And there's a very tight correlation, and I got a guy called Michael Howe to actually do it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent me the chart, and I've got it somewhere if everybody wants to see it. But when the Chinese bank mm-hmm. simulates, it takes up iron ore, and it takes up copper and most of the commodities. So that was gave me the confidence to come out and say, hey, you've got to be paying attention to what's going on in China. Then there was some subsidiary stuff of um, the the Chinese government mm-hmm. stepping in to basically backstop the yep. property sector and the developers and stuff. So that's obviously very helpful for confidence. And uh, the steel mills, et cetera, had low inventories and that type of thing. So I'd seen this playbook before, right? Because I remember, and again, your show is called What's Not Priced In. <laughs> yes. you got to remember... Everybody expected iron ore to go down, mm-hmm. right? And then China was looking wobbly. So that was what was priced in. Mm-hmm. And then you had, then the central banks was coming in to pump it up. And I'm like, iron ore's going up when yeah. nobody thought it was going, it's not priced in, yeah. right? So get on the iron ore stocks. Um, so that's been working lately. But um, yeah, I'd been through this in 2021, actually, mm-hmm. when iron ore spiked up to over 200. So again, I knew which stocks that I liked and I'd done the homework and because it's, it's people think, oh, I know it's just this generic thing, but there's actually different grades mm-hmm. and different types. And uh, some of them is overly complicated, but it's not as simple as everybody yeah. says. Remember Shay Russell, my old mate, he used to go, oh, you know, red dirt kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so it is red dirt, but it's very valuable red mm-hmm. dirt. And uh, so, yeah, so for me, again, the beauty with the iron ore stocks, if they're producing, is as soon as iron ore goes up, they're just more cash flows mm-hmm. start pumping through the thing. And uh, like Fortescue just like ripped mm-hmm. up like 30% at one point, something like that, because it just makes so much money. Printing and cash, the dividend yeah. <laughs> yield was already huge. Yeah. Uh, so Twiggy Forest is loving life. But um, yeah, so that's a great example of of uh, of something not being priced mm-hmm. in and getting a big shift in the market in a reasonably short time frame mm-hmm. uh, when the market goes, oh, hey, we've got to reprice this. Yeah. Well, I think maybe switching from iron ore to another favorite commodity in Australia, which is coal. I wanted maybe to get your thoughts on that. I was uh, looking at some of the cheapest stocks on the ASX in the in last week, and a lot of them were coal stocks like Whitehaven and New Hope. Uh, and I think that can also be a trap because usually when coal stocks are trading at, at such low levels, it means that it, earnings are assumed to be at the peak. Yeah. Uh, so is that what you think is happening that, What's the market pricing in? And is there value? Is that a value trap? I have to hesitate and and, and defer that one to Greg because I have not traded uh, coal and I don't know enough about it and that keeps me away from it. I know mm-hmm. he did a ripping call on Whitehaven and that type of thing. Look, they look cheap. Yep. Um, I generally go along with the idea that there's no new supply coming online mm-hmm. so the price will be elevated. But I have to be honest, I don't know enough about it to, to be confident um, whether they're cheap or good buyers or not. But if I was to see them, I do watch them. I have a list of mm-hmm. them. Uh, and as you say, like Whitehaven, it makes a lot of money. If if I saw as a momentum play, if I saw it start to move up, well, then I'd have the confidence to maybe jump on board. But it would be more like a momentum trade yeah. rather than a, like a long-term an investment value, value yeah. kind of thing because I just don't know enough about it. Yep, yep. And what about lithium? Lithium, I think, is a favorite of mine because when I just joined Fatel, I think it was peak lithium mania. And it was just interesting to be a part of and see where it started to where it is now. I think um, the most shorted stock on the ASX at the moment is Pilbara Minerals with a bit 20% short interest. The third most is Core Lithium, uh, I think over 10%. And then in the top 10 is also Sayona Mining. Uh, Lake Resources was a very popular stock. I think one of the best performing in 2021. It's now fallen about 90% this year alone. Uh, so the market sentiment has completely shifted. I think it was just one of the most illustrative lessons for me when I just first started that um, 
you really have to be careful of the hype and just be pay attention to the to the capital cycle so uh what do you make of the lithium because i think you, you you followed the battery metals for a while as well well yeah man i remember with terence we wrote a report back in 2015 mm-hmm. if you can believe that called electric gold yep and that was just when elon musk was doing his first gigafactory mm-hmm. in nevada yep now this is going back well this is like when pilbara was like one cent or something yep. ridiculous uh, anyway, so I've seen this rodeo a few times. It, it spikes up in 2016, 17. It got dumped into, the stocks got dumped into 2000, mm-hmm. 2019. 2020, they ripped up. By 2021, the lithium sector had gone like completely over the top. It went way beyond mm-hmm. whatever I thought. So you mentioned like core lithium, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Those developers, you know, they're on crazy valuations. Mm-hmm. So there had to be some adjustment. It yeah. took way longer than I thought to happen, but it, they had to come down. I tend to tee off Mr. Lithium, Joe Laurie or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Uh, he's, uh, as again, he's been around since I started following the story yeah. and he's generally been okay. He says at the moment that, yeah, the price is coming down, but the long-term trend is still there. So mm-hmm. again, it points to this idea, if you want, if you do believe in the lithium story, mm-hmm. well then the market is giving you a look at yeah. the stocks cheaply now mm-hmm. But are you prepared to wait until it all turns around again? Mm-hmm. So it might take a while. So I'm excited that it's all going down mm-hmm. again, actually, because as you say, like Pilbara, when it um, when it's going full tilt, you know, it makes a lot of money. So, so were it, you surprised by how just the sheer short interest? I was shocked. Twenty percent is is massive. Uh, well, I mean, it does seem a lot, but. It's working for them. I mean, it's going down. (laughs) (laughs) So they'll keep running it until... uh, But again, there might be an opportunity there because at some point they've got to get out, right? Mm -hmm. So it might uh, have a little rally at some point. Um, But no, I'm I'm watching the lithium stuff because I think I do go along with the idea that there's not enough of it long term and Mm -hmm. and this is just all the... Look at iron ore. In 2021, it went over 200 a ton. Mm -hmm. Then it gets... They all get spanked for a while. Everybody gets paranoid about China you know, US going into recession, now we're going up again. Yeah. <laughs> so you you got to decide, are you in the momentum yeah. thing, you have six months, or are you in for five, ten mm-hmm. years kind of thing? And is your investment horizon usually over three years, over two years? Uh, with Australian Small Cap mm-hmm. Investigator, we look at one to two years. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm getting interested in, the, in start kicking over some of the lithium stuff. And if you speak to the guys in mining, like my mate Headley, who does the, the junior stuff, mm-hmm. like they're still uh, interested in lithium. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're coming. It's coming down for a bit, but it's not so crazy. Yeah, and I think with with the lithium ones, it it probably pays to pay more attention to the ones who are efficient producers. Uh, I think with the with the speculative end of the of the market, it's it's, but it's it, wild west. It is funny how the narrative changed. Like twenty twenty, oh, you know, everybody's going to be driving like electric car, yeah. da, da, da. <laughs> and now they're like, oh well, electric cars are you know maybe they're not making as many sales as we thought, and Elon Musk is crazy. You know, the whole thing's changed, but I'm sure it'll come come yeah. around again. Which actually reminds me of a, of an interesting quote. You're a big reader, and we might get to some book recommendations at the end of the episode. But you recently wrote, you read the um, the Psychology of Money, which is a great book, uh, and there was a quote there uh, which I think maybe encapsulates your view uh, at the moment. And the quote from that book is: "Pessimism isn't just uh, isn't just more common than optimism. It also sounds smarter." It's intellectually captivating and it's paid more attention than optimism, which is often viewed as being oblivious to risk. Um, and I think that, that's the author, by the yeah, way. That's yeah, that's, the, yeah. that's not, not Cal Newman, although you do, <laughs> you do write as well. Um, but I do think at the moment there is this pessimism and pessimism does sound smarter. Uh, but like you said, you know, you probably make the most gains when you're optimistic about the long term view. Would you agree? Well, I'll put it like this. I started here in 2012. Pretty soon I was working with a guy called Phil Anderson. He came out and said, uh, you know, at that time everyone was worried about Chinese ghost cities, yeah. European, the pigs falling apart. Um, the US was uh, secular stagnation, all that type of stuff. He said, oh, no, these guys, don't listen to those guys. It's crazy. There's a massive boom coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, US stocks went up 11%, 10 years, basically 10 years in a row kind of thing. Uh, Aussie property booms. Mm-hmm. Um you had Afterpay, you had Bitcoin, you had NVIDIA. I mean, you had social media, Amazon. Uh, my friend Chris Mayer wrote a book called... 100 Baggers. 100 Baggers. Thank you. I almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about Amazon 
in that book with his analyst, and they're like, oh, yeah, we, you know, it's like 2014 the book came out. Like, oh, yeah, we think Amazon's a buy. You know, it makes all this money, but it kind of reinvested. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have free cash flow. Mm-hmm. But there's sort of like a doubt in what they're writing, right? Like four years later, Amazon was like the greatest company in the world. <laughs> it's like this stuff isn't obvious. So, um, yeah, but the whole time there's always macro stuff and people gibbering on about mm-hmm. There's always doomers coming out and the old boys, oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big bear market mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. Well, they're right some of the time, mm-hmm. but most of the time, market goes up. Yeah. And I think with um, with that macroeconomic stuff is if you're investing in a company that's really mature, uh, then its growth is probably correlated with the wider growth of the economy. So it makes sense then to pay attention. But with small caps and usually with, with stocks that you want to chase the biggest gains, those companies are growing way faster than the wider economy. Well, just look at NVIDIA. Like, yep. It's a 30-year-old company, mm-hmm. and it's never been better. Like, It's yep. just insane how much money that company makes. So who cares what the US mm-hmm. is doing in general when if you own NVIDIA, well, you're happy as Larry. Yeah, so if, yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if your company's are outpacing the economy's growth, then it doesn't really matter whether the US is entering a recession or not. But to be to be faithful to my promise to to, to grill yeah, you. Yeah, grill me some more. Come on. Uh, there is something that Greg wanted to to raise, which was about the very thin equity premiums in Australia and pretty much in the US as well. So, um, and I think it, it sort of ties in nicely to an episode Greg did with an asset manager called Romano Salatana. I don't know if you follow yes, him. Yes, I know him. Yep. Yep. I like him. Yep. Uh, it's a great episode, so do check it out. Anyway, so they were talking about um, the equity risk premium, how low it is in Australia. Um, and I just did some basic numbers so we can just use um, the risk-free rate, which is just the Aussie 10-year bond yield. The bond yield is about 4.4%. The ASX 200 earnings yield is about 5.8%. So the equity risk premium is just about 1.4%, and that's historically very low. Um, and I think a few months ago when that episode came out with Greg and Romano, they were both surprised that the Aussie market is still so strong given the equity risk premium is so low. Um, so the question to you is, how can stocks continue to rise in an environment where the equity risk premium is so low and the risk-free rate is so high? So are you betting on uh, bond yields falling sharply, which in that case, the counter-argument would be if bond yields fall sharply, it's usually because the economy is slowing down drastically and that's why it sort of leads to the Reserve Bank lowered interest rates. Uh, to be honest, I'm going to say I don't really give a toss about any of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, and the reason I say that is, um, especially with the small cap sector, you're investing the company, right? Yep. Like you can't control any of that. I mean, that premium will jump around. Yeah. And I understand, especially if you're a fund manager, you do need to have a sense of like how much you're allocating of yep. your of your thing and and your your risk weightings and all that type of thing. But as an individual investor, who I cater to, and the guys running their super fund and all that type of thing, if I think this is a good company, well, you're backing it, its yep. management, and its business plan to achieve something. Mm-hmm. And the equity risk premium usually doesn't come into that. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. Warren um, Ebert is a fund manager, yep. a property fund manager that I know. And a lot of the analysts in the property sector will go, well, the REITs, uh, you know, they yield 7% and the bond is... 5% yeah. and there's a 2% difference and it, normally it's, you know, 3% or something. And he said just once when I did an interview with him actually, mm-hmm. and he goes, well, I'm a property fund. I'm not going to go and buy bonds. <laughs> like it's irrelevant to him. He wants to find a really good property that he can do up and get higher rents and all that type of thing. So I'm not saying it's totally irrelevant, mm-hmm. but I'm saying the name of the game is to find a great company. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing is you can wrap yourself up in all that macro stuff and it's – you know, again, if you're on NVIDIA, yep. who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's the answer to Greg. If, you, if you're watching <laughs> it, Callum doesn't give a toss. <laughs> that's, the, that's the quote for the clip. Um, okay, great. That's a nice response. Uh, but now, obviously, you've talked about the small cap sector. You do think that's probably the one um, that's going to maybe grow the most when things sort of uh, improve. Um, so maybe I wanted to talk to you about some of the stocks that are on your watch list that you're sort of keenly looking at. And uh, there's some from in the iron ore sector. There's a U.S. fund manager. There's a construction real estate company. And there's also, um, I think, a non-bank lender. So maybe we can start with MGX. MGX. So um, iron ore miner. Mm-hmm. 
again, driven down into August, forgotten mm. about, nobody cares about it. But why do I like it? Well, again, nobody thought iron ore would be $130 at this time of year, US dollars, which mm-hmm. is more at Aussie dollars. So they're just making serious amounts of money every quarter, right? Yep. Um, just crazy amounts of money. Now, it's not without risk. Don't let me say that. It's a single operation mm-hmm. miner. So that's always a risk. Of if there's a production problem or whatever, then that's a problem. If iron or tanks, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to have a big problem. But I went back, again, I followed it for a long time, over their, their mine plan that they're in now started actually in 2017. That's mm-hmm. how long they've been trying to get to this where they're mm-hmm. at now. They are in the sweet spot of their mine plan because they had to get rid of a lot of overburden and, mm-hmm. and rehabilitate what had been there before kind of thing to get to where the it's a high-grade ore miner. Again, we talked about green steel before, right? So high-grade ore. They're right now in the sweet spot of their mine where they're going to have the best access to the best bit of ore, ship it out more than they have in the, the last couple of years. At the same time, the price is going up. Mm-hmm. And they're just minting money. But remember, it's been sold way down yeah. from all the, the dramas over the last couple of years. So you just go, man, this thing is literally on the floor. Mm-hmm. You're basically almost buying cash and the inventory and the, the mine, and you, you get a free option on what happens mm-hmm. next. So, uh, again, because they're printing so much – well, not printing it. They're creating it yeah. with their ship, shipping it out of ore. Um, when in their next results, they're going to have, say, well – do we buy back stock? Do we have a massive dividend? Do we buy another? Again, because they're a single operation that has yep. a, you know, a life limit on it, they can go and buy Sad. up whatever project that they want. So they have just because they're making so much money, they have this um, suite of options in front of them. And as long as iron ore stays up here, they're just going to keep making more and more money. So when I look at it, I go, well, you've got a stock that's had so much bad news hammered into mm-hmm. it. At the same time, it's actually going really well. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you give it a crack? So why, why do you think the market is still sort of undervaluing it? Uh, is the market sort of betting that it's unsustainable for iron ore prices to be this high? Could be, yeah. absolutely. Um, remember too that the junior market, the resource market, is, as you alluded to before, narrative driven. So if there was some whiz-bang tech that we could pin to iron ore, um, it's a little bit like coal, in fact, that they're not perceived to be growth industries. Yeah. So... You, you, I'm not saying either that this is one that you hold for 10 years or anything. I'm just saying that it's been so hammered mm-hmm. and it's making so much money, I think it's going to shift up mm-hmm. and then you just ride along mm-hmm. as long as iron ore holds up. Uh, and if, if it doesn't, well, you just jump ship. Mm-hmm. But um, at the moment, again, with the small cap sector, the market is not chasing mm-hmm. stocks that aren't profitable. Yeah. So we have a stock here making a lot of Very money profitable. and I think there's value there. All right. Well, let's move on to a U.S. fund manager, which is listed in Australia, which is GQG. Yes, another one. Again, IPO'd uh, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Pretty much went down straight ever since. <laughs> yes, I think. Yes. there's been a few of those lately. But again, caught up in the small cap bear market, mm-hmm. as it were. And I did this. We did the speech at the Fat Tail event, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I gave that one to the guys. It's already shifted up in the last mm-hmm. in the last little bit. So um, in that case, it's what I believe, we talked before in the small cap sector how there's credible teams run incredible businesses uh, trading cheaply. Mm -hmm. That's one uh, that fits that bill. Now, it may not be the next half to pay and you're going to make, you know, Mm -hmm. 10,000%. But, you know, a few weeks ago, it was yielding like 11% in Aussie dollars. Mm and you were buying at less than the IPO price mm-hmm. when they have more funds under management than they did then. Now, I have the view, which could be wrong, that mm-hmm. the US stock market is going to keep going up yep. for a couple of years. So they have the platform to keep aggregating more yep. money under their uh, assets under management, which how drives most mm-hmm. of their revenue, right? So again, you're just getting a look at a, a, a fairly valued or cheaply valued um, stock mm-hmm. with, a, uh, with a good team um, while the bear market goes on, and you can have a look at it now and bank the dividend, see how they go. Yeah, and I think with uh, the small cap sector, there are, definitely seems to be a lot more market inefficiency. So the 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 higher you go in terms of market cap, the less efficient inefficiencies there are because there's more analysts sort of reporting, more journalists. Yes, it seems with these stocks like the iron ore mine and GQG, it seems like there is a bit of an inefficiency there that may with time get smoothed over. Yeah, 
Uh, and again, as I say, it's hard to me to get across. There's not a lot of volume in the small cap yeah. sector at the moment. There's just it's just a lack of interest, a lack of sentiment, a lack of volume, a lack of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so again, but if those things come back, that's when these sort of things will can start lifting, right? And again, if they're profitable mm. and making money, if that doesn't happen, eventually they can just say, well, we'll just buy it back ourselves. Mm. Um, so you can you sort of keep an eye on that sort of thing as well. So uh, again, it's just a it's just so much opportunity. Mm. It's more ideas than you can back, really. Yeah, and I, I've sort of noticed that as well in fine managers that have followed in Australia. They do sort of say that they are seeing a lot more opportunities these days, and a lot of mispricing. So, it's and remember, you talked about the growth rate. Yeah. And so those bigger firms that are tied yeah. to that more tightly, well, if if a fund manager is looking for growth, he he's going to have to start look down the small cap. It's all, but also true that often those companies can be too small for the really big fund managers. They just can't get a decent size in it. So it is true that it, the independent investor has mm -hmm. a better crack at some of the small cap than a bigger fund. And there's no bigger than Warren Buffett, right? And he'll go, well, I can only buy like 100 yeah, yeah. stocks in the world, right? Because I've just got too much money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you've just got a suite of options that some, even some so-called flash fund managers can't do. And I think Buffett was sort of saying if he had a way less money, he would make better returns. Better returns, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. He's too rich. <laughs> he's too rich. That's, that's the problem he has. He's also too old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not not to do his job, but he, his mate just kicked the bucket. So. Yeah. Well, he's Charlie Munger, obviously passed away. Well, we might get to to talk about him later on in the show. But another stock you wanted to mention is is Resimac, and I think that's also maybe a a stock that's vastly undervalued by the market. Well, I I mean I flagged that one just as an example that again you go back to your show what's not priced in. Mm -hmm. Not prices, right? <laughs> <laughs> Last year, there was a genuine fear that Aussie um, property was going to crash, right? That the the fund and the mortgage cliffed and the two yeah. two million rate rises. So, Resimac is a non bank mortgage lender, mm. majority mortgage. So, it and its friends, <laughs> whom I won't mention, <laughs> inside joke, um, have been smashed. Yeah. Absolutely smash. But it's been a business that's mm -hmm. been around for 10 years or more. The, the guy who runs it's been doing it uh, a while. It's a solid team. Profitable business. Just absolutely hammered. And then you go, well, what's actually happened? Well, Aussie property yeah, didn't crash. Mm -hmm. It went down a bit. And now it's sort of trending up again. Credit growth has gone from 9% to about 5%. Mm -hmm. So it's still positive. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that with that sector is they're actually at a regulatory disadvantage because the big bank's got a three-year cheap mm -hmm. funding deal yep. with the RBA. So that actually makes the non-banks non-competitive on price mm -hmm. or more non-competitive. That rolls off next year in June. Mm -hmm. Now, things should equalise in. So on their asset side, everyone was worried that the mm -hmm. bad debts would go up. Things are holding up. So that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Then you go, well, okay, they've got problems competing with the banks in the short term on the prime side, but that will even out a little bit, although the banks mm -hmm. will dominate, probably dominate that market still. But there's still the what they call the non-prime yeah. sector, so like self-employed people and, and you know modest, modestly impaired credit history, <laughs> that type of thing. They can also pivot into asset finance, car loans, which mm -hmm. is um, basically being conceded to the non-bank sector. Yep. So the big banks are like, well, we're not interested in this sector. Mm -hmm. The other guys can just fight over it. So they do have a, another growth lever to pull. Mm -hmm. Now, at the moment, it's not working. Mm -hmm. That whole sector, it's cheap. We can say it's cheap. <laughs> but it can get cheaper. It can get cheaper. Yeah. But my idea with that one is you have an opportunity to buy an established business, profitable business, mm -hmm. in a niche, uh, a select niche that's a growing market. If you're prepared to be patient, you now the PE is being compressed down to like five. Mm -hmm. That only needs to go to 10 and mm -hmm. you're going to get a good return. But they they still have a chance to grow their earnings type of thing. So with big migration coming in, mm -hmm. car sales, more home loans, mm -hmm. that type of thing, it is still a growing market. So that's an example where you get a look at a stock that's been absolutely hammered mm -hmm. to the floor. You step in, take a, you don't have to go big on it, just start with a little bit. But in two or three years, is it going to still be on the floor? Well, I'd say probably not. Yeah. But uh, again, you have to be, it's the kind of one where you have to be patient. Yep. But pays a dividend, um, get a look at it, see, and um, just follow what happens with property, car sales, mm -hmm. credit growth. Those things, again, 
still positive. Yeah. And I think maybe a disadvantage for those type of stocks is they are profitable, but maybe the market, because we've mentioned the small cap sector is driven by narratives a lot of the time. These stocks may look a bit boring or a bit um, unsexy and you know, mark, people in the small cap sector just focus on Absolutely. lithium That's, or something. And I should take. say, look, I've pushed the barrier for this non-bank sector to learn about it and, and yeah, it never catches the eye of the herd. And again, you have to know what type of investor you are. But if you're if you're comfortable or more comfortable with established business doing mm-hmm. something real and making money, as opposed to some certain stocks that are <laughs> more airy fairy, yeah. <laughs> but maybe going up in price, um, just depends on on your on your on your personal style. But uh, as I see it, there's a real business there fulfilling a real need, mm-hmm. profitable, uh, and I'm excited to see how they can build back up. Yeah, and I think something that sort of um, confirms what you were saying about uh, that company maybe expanding into car loans or something. There was a asset another, finance is the yeah. Uh, there was another lender called Plenty. Plenty even, just did the deal yes, with NAB exactly, and, and took off like a rocket. Yep, went up about a hundred. Now there was day. speculation that some non banks would be taken over. So I read uh, because they're so cheap. Yes, hasn't happened yet. But Plenty got the the boost from the deal. But there are other stocks that are pushing into the commercial property market, mm-hmm. um, business financing, self-managed super fund. So there is a niche there mm-hmm. that companies are, are chasing. Public investors don't seem to care about it, but mm-hmm. that's what I say. I do think it is an era, area of interest. Mm-hmm. And I think with the big banks, them, them sort of, the mortgage was a so... Um, Hard, tightly fought that they might actually just look into acquiring something that has a maybe higher margins or growth sector like maybe auto financing. But we've we've talked about boring sectors and sexy sectors. So I'm going to talk about generative AI maybe with you and get your thoughts on that. Um, I love uh, dictionaries, and uh, <laughs> you might be the only one. But yeah, okay. <laughs> and Macquarie Dictionary <laughs> just had its word of the year. So the popular choice word of the year was generative AI. We've talked about Temple and Webster. Temple and Webster's um, latest AGM presentation mentioned that they'll actually use a lot of AI in its operations and especially with customer service. I think Kogan is saying that. Yep. That's what I just yep. read Kogan's one. And uh, so what what are your thoughts on generative AI? Is this hype? Is the hype warranted? Are you even looking maybe at some AI-related stocks in the small cap sector? Yeah, in fact... Or is, that, is it just too crowded? Because everyone oh, is no, talking no. about it. I mean, it, it is. It's going to be one of those things. But you've got to, you've got to learn about it. You've got to go along yeah. with it. I said earlier in the year when the US bank thing rolled over, I said, uh, you know, I really do think AI will drive the narrative of the market and, yeah. and the US market uh, back out. I got that right, but it didn't play out in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, didn't need them, you know... We didn't make any money out of that, except that the U.S. market went up and Australia didn't. <laughs> but um, no, definitely, I'm following what's going on there. And we did. I did an issue with a couple of suggestions that had AI as a base, mm-hmm. and one of them was doing really well, which is Newix, which mm-hmm. has again got flogged for different yeah. reasons, down to like paper script or yeah. it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember saying to the guys, "Well, this actually has a." quite an established link to mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, it's worth a go and mm-hmm. it's keeps going up. It's still got, a, like it's a high ri- it's very high risk, I think. And it, it has legal issues as well, yeah. it's risky. And it hasn't resolved all of them, but at the moment it's going up as well. So the market again is looking beyond mm-hmm. or that legal case that they're still fighting to say that there's something going on here. And I think it may be AI that's driving that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Is AI hype? I mean, there's going to be hypey elements to it, mm-hmm. but there are real... It's warranted, it's, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's warranted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at NVIDIA. I mean, that is the yeah. classic AI play. It's going bananas. And who knows how many fabulous ways this thing will play out, or scary ways, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> it's going to impact... Well, I just... I mentioned Virgin Money before. Mm-hmm. They just came out and said, you know, we're taking a hit to profits mm-hmm. in the short term because we have to defend against yep. quantum computing artificial intelligence and and this time it's it's go, it's growing so fast that we got to keep up or we're going to yep. get smashed so you got to be aware of it on the bullish side and the bearish side so 
absolutely you got to follow yeah. what's going and on. I think uh, there was news today from Westpac. It's it, it backed a um, invested in AI lender or something like that. So auto lender. So. Well, well, absolutely. Like you turn about a Resimac and that those credit guys start using AI to mm. scan your history and all. They're going to be able to price your loans in all sorts mm. of interesting ways. And so there's heaps of applications that mm. can come through. Yeah, and and I think maybe with the Australian side in terms of AI, it's not exactly as maybe high tech. We've got Appen, which has obviously now been created, uh, and it, it it sort of tried to hitch its wagon to AI. It didn't really work. It didn't catch on with the market. And then we've got Next DC, but it, it's more of a hardware play, and they have to have yeah. massive capital injection. So it's tricky to play here in yeah. Australia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, now I said that. Um, We'll get to the, the the fun part of the show. I know you're a big reader. Yes. I think lately you've told your readers that you've just finished a, a business memoir, um, the co-founder of Triangle. That's a bikini company. Yeah, bikini doesn't company. scream relevance <laughs> right now, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason why I bring it up is because um, I know you read a lot, So, and uh, maybe some, some viewers out there might want to get some reading recommendations. We're getting to the end of the year, Christmas period, so... Maybe we'll start with what are the best books you've read this year? The Bikini. Oh, memoir? you could have given me some warning on this one. That's a tricky one. Um, best book that I've read this year. Or oh, one that stands out. One that stands out for me is Capital Wars by Michael Howe, which is, I mentioned him a lot lately, mm-hmm. actually. Liquidity, mm-hmm. study of liquidity, which is going to be very important for the next couple of mm-hmm. years, right? So he studies the global flow of money and credit. Mm-hmm. And thus far, he's been very accurate with his prediction that it was liquidity had bottomed out last year and yep. was slowly turning up and it would push up the American market mm-hmm. and it would push up Bitcoin and it would push up gold. Now, all those three things are happening. What it hasn't... And again, I alluded to before, Chinese central bank stimulating the money. Who told me that? Michael Howell told us that um, because he follows the credit statistics. Yep. So that's turning uh, his insight into an actionable investment opportunity mm. that again that went against what everybody thought, right? Because previous to that, the central bank hadn't been mm. stimulating, right? That's why people thought it was going to go down. So you can follow him on his Substack. You got to pay, but it's, it's, I like him actually. So his book it's pretty he- heavy yeah. and expensive, <laughs> but um, if you want to know the, I always like to check the background of these guys and make sure that they're not talking out of their hat, Bottom. as it were. <laughs> But that was a good one. I like him. Um, I wish I could. I read so much I can't even remember any of them. <laughs> well, I read. I was, yeah, I was, I was thinking because you did say you read a lot of business memoirs and I've always wondered, does that help you with uh, assessing businesses? Is, are there actually lessons or is it more of a just a personal oh, I should say I read a lot of memoirs. I yeah. like memoirs in general. So if they happen to be business related, yeah. I'll, I go along with it. My favorite book. I'll give you my favorite okay. book that I read every year. It's called How to Be Rich by okay. Felix Dennis. Every year? Well, yeah, just every now and again <laughs> I get bored and I'm like, I yeah. want to read Felix's <laughs> book again. So he, he was a very wealthy publisher in England, loved smoking and drinking and carrying yeah. on. Um, but he wrote a really great book called How to Be Rich. And it's not it's about building a business, actually, not investment markets. But he talks about the perils and the pitfalls of what that can bring and, mm. and why money and wealth, and great wealth he's talking about, isn't always as as good as everybody cracks it up to be. So um, that's my favourite book. Uh, another good book to read actually is Annie Duke, Thinking in Bets. Ah, yep. yep, I've heard good things about it. Yes, Thinking in Bets, which is because, again, what's not priced in? you got to think, she's a poker player, right? Yep. you got to think, um, what do my opponents know, mm-hmm. have and know, and what do I know and think they have kind of thing? So the market's a bit like that. So you, her her favourite quote that I love is, the, the game of poker, mm-hmm. but the investing is the same is to make future decisions easier for yourself. So mm-hmm. um, again, if you look at, uh, just use MGX as an example, where you go, how much trouble can I get into this one if it's printing money already smashed up and all I have to do is kind of follow along with mm-hmm. what iron ore is doing and if iron ore looks shaky, I just cut it mm-hmm. off, right? Well, I can't get into too much trouble there. It's when you sort of reach for something that's a bit specky and you don't know much about it and mm-hmm. it goes down, then you're like, Oh, yep. why did I? Why am I involved with this? Because <laughs> yep. you know, you got to make future decisions easier for yourself. So I just try and think uh, in those terms: what's got limited downside, mm-hmm. lots of upside, and uh, and give it a go. Nice. Uh, that's something. That was something. Oh yes, Charlie Munger. So obviously, 
sadly passed away and a lot of people i think in the financial community have been uh commemorating him have you followed much of his his wisdom or investing advice or does it gel with you is there anything of his maybe style that resonates or any quotes he doesn't actually i like buffett mm -hmm. uh, but i'm not a buffett fanboy <laughs> fanboy for one a bit of not that i mean he's great yeah. success and all that type of thing Charlie, I, I've never, I, I mean, I was aware of him, mm -hmm. but I haven't read like Paul Charlie's mm -hmm. Almanac and all that all sort of letters, stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I have to just say, um, rest in peace, Charlie, but I don't actually know that much about him, except that he was Warren's right-hand man and famous for his kind of logic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's got some, I think one quote of his was like, at some point in your life, you just want to, hit forehands all day like you want to be skilled at yeah. one particular thing and and uh that's the way to way to do it but no i must be i'm not a massive charlie munger fan and you know it doesn't you don't have to be <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i actually yes before we wrap up i did promise that if we get enough um enough questions or comments i wear a hat i don't have a funny hat our capable producer campbell is going to provide me a hat next episode if we do continue to get questions i'll just wear this one for now but uh it was great having you on the show i had Pleasure. great fun and i hope the viewers enjoyed as well and uh any final words what's not priced in what's well all i can say is don't forget i'm the editor of australian small cap investigator <laughs> yes i really genuinely believe it's coming to a very exciting period so give it a go is, is what i would suggest start following uh fat tail daily mm -hmm. if you're looking for the spread of ideas um, from all of us here um but i I think it's really exciting the next couple of years coming up. So if you're on the fence a bit, I would say start start investigating and start following what you're doing and what I'm doing. And and uh, I think this time next year will be a very different vibe. Mm -hmm. So you can book me in for this time next year and we'll see if I was right. Okay, that done. So get excited, look at uh, small caps and stay positive. Absolutely. See ya.